Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to uh, River Glen. Great to see you. Great to have you join us for church. Everybody online, wherever you're located, uh, those of you in Pewaukee, uh, thanks so much for joining us, and everybody here in uh, Waukesha. How you guys doing? You guys in a good mood this morning? Good, good, good. Good to see you. Uh, glad you're here. It's a special weekend. It's uh, baptism uh, weekend. And uh, we, we just baptized uh, eight people at the uh, 9 o'clock service, and uh, it was great. What a celebration. And uh, we got a bunch more uh, getting baptized in uh, 1030. Uh, services, maybe you're here today for the first time to support someone uh, getting baptized. Uh, way to go. Way to be here uh, for their special uh, day. Or maybe you're just here for the first time for whatever reason, and we're glad to have you and, and want everybody to come back. We'd love to have you come back in three weeks. We're going to have... Christmas Eve, candlelight services, eight of them across uh, both uh, campuses. I want to begin with a question. Uh, what would it take, what, what does it take to just uh, ruin uh, your day? Maybe traffic, that could ruin your day. Maybe spilling your coffee, maybe spilling your coffee in traffic could ruin uh, your day. Maybe you could do what I, what I already did this morning, lose your phone. Um, I found it, but it, that, that's a bummer to lose your phone. Um, what, what would cause you to ruin uh, your day? Maybe, maybe your favorite team uh, loses, or maybe you bomb a test uh, right before Christmas break. Uh, that would be a bummer. How about this question here? What would it take to ruin a holiday? Could be rain, maybe bad weather, maybe some snow, maybe flight cancellation, maybe your work schedule gets changed at the last minute. Maybe you go to the store to buy that special Christmas gift, and they're out of it. Yeah, that would be a bummer. Or maybe you're just bummed out because a family uh, can't make it for Christmas. Or maybe you're bummed out because a family can make it for uh, Christmas. There's a lot of things that can cause us uh, to ruin a day, a holiday, uh, Christmas. I did a, uh, oh, and, and what all those things have in common is there's something unexpected. I did a wedding uh, recently and something unexpected. I've never had happen uh, before. Uh, it was uh, in the middle of October. Maybe you remember, October, we had great weather. But there was one uh, weekend in the middle of October when it was like cold, like in the 30s, 40s, uh, windy, and it even rained a little bit. I had an outdoor wedding that weekend. Yeah. And uh, they, I mean, they were really well prepared for it. It was, it was a big wedding, too. Okay. It was so big they couldn't bring it inside. And so they gave out uh, blankets, umbrellas and hot chocolate to everybody who uh, attended. Uh, but right before the ceremony, it started to rain uh, lightly, and it got a little stressful. Somebody came uh, up to me a moment before the wedding, and they're like, Ben, you're a pastor. Can't you do something about the weather? <laughs> and I gave my standard uh, answer. I'm in sales, not management. <laughs> Nothing I can do. And, uh, but, but it did stop raining, and we got the whole ceremony. And take a look. Here's the couple. Uh, they got uh, married, and they were great. I mean, they didn't complain, and uh, you'd never guess that it's 38 degrees outside uh, during that uh, picture. They enjoyed their wedding, and so did everybody else. But sometimes life just sends you unexpected circumstances that come out of nowhere. And I'm telling you, if you live long enough, I mean, sometimes it's going to be much more than bad weather that's going to make your life uh, difficult when, when you lose a job. When your parents get a divorce, or maybe you do, or your girlfriend says, I just want to be friends, or the doctor says, 
it's cancer or maybe just a wave of anxiety or depression comes over you or maybe you just start worrying nonstop about money or your kids. I mean, we'd all like to live someplace where unexpected painful circumstances never happen, but there is no place like that. In fact, look at what Jesus said about this. He said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me because here on earth you're going to have many trials and sorrows but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus just straight up tells us that you're going to have painful, difficult, unexpected circumstances. You can count on it. But he says, I give you peace. And not just, you know, when you're in a good mood, not just when things are, are, are going uh, smoothly. No, he gives peace right in the midst of the chaos and the difficult circumstances. Another word for peace is the word serenity. Uh, during this series, I'm going to teach you a, a famous little prayer. It, it's called the serenity uh, prayer uh, that helps us experience greater peace through Jesus. I'm curious, how many of you have ever heard of the serenity prayer uh, before? Yeah, quite a few of you. I remember uh, growing up, my uh, grandmother had a plaque on the wall and had the serenity prayer on it. And as a little kid, I remember reading that thing but I never really understood what the word serenity meant. It's a real simple word. Here's what it means. It means peace. It means calm. Many people in support and recovery groups know this prayer very well. They say it every Monday night at Celebrate Recovery. It's a simple little spiritual tool to help us focus on the peace that Jesus gives us, even in the midst of uh, difficulty. So let's go ahead and let's read it out loud together, okay, at all our locations. Ready? Let's say this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, that, that's the most famous, most quoted part of the uh, serenity prayer, and that's the part we're going to focus on in this series, but there's more to it. The serenity prayer actually goes on. So I want to show you the rest of the serenity prayer. It goes on to say, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, wouldn't that be great? Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is and not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, then I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the uh, next. Amen. Isn't that good? And so I want, to, I want to encourage us to incorporate the serenity prayer into our lives during this series up through Christmas. Here, here's what I'm going to do. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to say the, the, this first part of the serenity prayer, and then I'm going to say it again before I go to uh, bed, and I would encourage you to do the same. You can go to our, our social media uh, platforms, and we've got the uh, serenity prayer posted on Instagram uh, where you can copy it. And then each week of this series leading up to Christmas, we're going to walk through line by line the first part of the serenity prayer, and we are going to attach a principal character from the Christmas story who lives it out, okay? And so uh, next week, uh, we're going to talk about this part right here, how do, how do I have the courage uh, to change what I can? And then the week after that, we're going to talk about how do I have the wisdom to know the difference. But today, I want to dig into the first line of the prayer. God, grant me the serenity uh, to accept the things that I cannot change. And in, in a few moments later in the service, we're going to have an opportunity to see the ultimate uh, example of people putting their trust 
in God's serenity, not just through a prayer, but through baptism. Baptism helps us accept things that we cannot change about our life. And, you know, maybe some of you here today, uh, you know, heard that we're doing baptisms this weekend, and uh, you're like, you know, I've been wanting to do that. I've been thinking about uh, doing that, but I'm not really, I didn't really come ready. I didn't come prepared uh, to do that today. Good news. We got you covered. Check it out. We got everything uh, that you need. And when I say everything, I mean, really, we have everything uh, that, that you need. And so I want to invite you to participate in the baptism uh, later in the uh, service. But first, I want to look at one of the principal characters in the Christmas story, a young woman by the name of, by the name of Mary, who provides a great example of uh, serenity. I want to look at some of the challenges that, uh, in life that Mary has to accept along the way. And I want to, I want to invite us to think about what this means uh, for your life and my life today. The beginning of her story, it might sound familiar, it's in the uh, New Testament in Luke's uh, gospel chapter uh, one. God sends an angel Gabriel uh, who, who says to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his uh, father, uh, David. Now you might think that when Mary hears these words as a young girl, that her initial response is going to be like, awesome, unbelievable. Yeah, you, you might think this would be an easy yes for Mary. I'm going to be like the Messiah mom. I'm almost like Mrs. Mrs. God. Future generations are going to call me uh, blessed. People are going to revere my name. I'm even going to get a, a, a famous touchdown pass named after me. It's going to be awesome. But Mary didn't say that's awesome. She gets excited later on. But not at first. Look at what it says. Confused and disturbed, uh, Mary tried to think uh, what, what the angel could, could mean. You know, sometimes I think we assume that Bible characters uh, know th knew then what we know now, looking back at their life, right? Uh, but we have the luxury of looking back and knowing how things turned out. Mary did not. Imagine living in those circumstances, not knowing what would happen. Soren Kierkegaard says, life can only be understood uh, backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And, and that's how Mary had, had to live it. We could look back, uh, but she had to live forward, not knowing what would happen. And that's why we need the serenity prayer. And I imagine Mary, deep in her spirit, going, oh God, uh, give me, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Think about her situation. She's a young woman. Uh, she's engaged and pregnant. And, and she and her fiancé, Joseph, both know that the child is not hers. And in that ancient culture, they regarded her as an adulteress. And uh, according to Jewish uh, law, uh, the law was not very kind uh, uh, to, to, to her as, as, a, as an adulteress. She could be punished with death at best as a single mom, she would live alone, raising her child, destitute, uh, poor. Her child would be taunted as, as Ill, Ill, illegitimate and would be rejected from the synagogue. Now, we know it didn't turn out <clears throat> uh, that way. Uh, Joseph chooses not to punish her or divorce her, but Mary didn't know that. She had to live in the space of not knowing 
what would happen. So her reply to the angel is pretty uh, amazing. Look at this. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary's like, bring it on. Uh, bring, it, bring it on. She is willing to accept uncertain outcomes. She is willing to begin to suffer for Jesus before Jesus suffers for her. God, God, just grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. After the birth of Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph, they take the baby to the uh, temple to be dedicated, and they meet this older man named Simeon. And uh, Simeon starts making all these uh, prophecies about the great destiny of baby Jesus. And you would think Mary would be excited about all these uh, prophecies until Simeon uh, adds these words to Mary. Not sure if he, I'm not sure if he whispers to her or pulls her aside, but it specifically says that he told this not to the baby, not to Joseph, but to Mary. Look at what he says to her. He says, and a sword will pierce your soul too. In other words, Mary, uh, you know, the child that you're carrying is the hope of the world, and you're blessed to be able to bring him into the world but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be very difficult, and a sword will pierce your soul um, too. I'm guessing in that moment, Mary must have wondered, you know, what does that mean? What will the sword be? Well, I see it coming. Uh, nevertheless, Mary prays, I am the Lord's servant. God, grant me. God, please grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot uh, change. Maybe it means that Mary will experience a financial hardship. We're told that when you would bring a baby to the temple for uh, dedication, that you would also bring an unblemished lamb as a sacrifice, as an uh, offering for the baby. But the law gave this exception. It said, but if she, if, if she cannot afford a lamb, she's to bring two doves or two pigeons. We're told in Scripture that Joseph and Mary bring two birds because they were so poor. In other words, they didn't show up at the temple for the dedication, you know, with a fancy stroller and, you know, baby Jesus wearing a beautiful christening uh, gown. No, they couldn't afford those things. Every parent wants the best for their baby. But Joseph and Mary lived in, in poverty, and so they probably had to wait in line at the, at the temple while the priest took care of the families that brought lambs, because oftentimes that's, that's the way it works. In, in our world, the poor have to wait. And Mary uh, waited, and maybe she thinks, this is the sword that Simeon talked about. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. More than that, Mary will have to accept uh, the death of her dreams. I mean, every parent has dreams for their child. You know, you bring the baby home um, from the hospital, and, you know, you get this mental picture this is the kind of neighborhood that we're going to live in. you got this mental picture. This is the kind of house that we're going to live in. Uh, maybe we're going to be close to family, so we have a built-in babysitter, right? But because of an evil, jealous, murderous King Herod who wants to kill the baby Jesus, Joseph and Mary have to leave their home. They flee to Egypt where they live as, as refugees. Maybe Mary thinks this is the sword that she will deal with. God, please grant me the serenity to accept things that I cannot change. Mary would also have to accept the inability to control other people, especially Jesus. At the age of 12, they take Jesus back to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. 
but on the way home, traveling home, they travel in a large entourage. It's all their family, a big group of people, and they have this home alone thing, like a Kevin moment, if you remember the movie, where they lose Jesus. I mean, they lose Jesus for three days. I remember uh, years ago, we were in Washington, D.C., and it was really crowded, and we lost our youngest child in a crowd for like five minutes, and it was horrible. I felt my heart drop. I felt, you know, panicky until we find him. Imagine being the parent and losing a child for three days, and, and that child is the son of God. <laughs> I mean, imagine how they, how they felt. So they go back, and they, they find Jesus at the temple, and he's teaching these scholars about his his father, he had decided on his own as a 12-year-old to stay three more uh, days. But it's not Joseph. It's Mary, the mother, who gets in his face. And I picture her saying these words in a classic mom voice. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Any of you parents ever made a frustrated speech like that? What were you thinking? We were worried sick looking for you. We searched frantically for you. Why did you do that? Why, why would you do this to us? Um, you know, all parents have probably felt that way. Even if your child is an adult, sometimes you think, why are you treating me this way? And Jesus has kind of a 12-year-old attitude. He doesn't apologize. He says, you know, why'd you guys go looking for me? Didn't you know that I needed to be at my father's house? And Mary learns, I might be his mother, but I can't control him. And many of us know as we watch our kids grow up and get older, we can't advise them enough, we can't nag them enough, we can't uh, fix them, we can't control them. Mary wonders, what do I do when my kids make decisions on their own and they're not the decisions that I would have made? I mean, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. And then it tells us that uh, he, that's Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them and now he's obedient uh, to them. But his mother, Mary, treasured all these things in her heart. It's interesting, if you read the Christmas story, this, this line here is actually repeated two times, that Mary treasured these things in her heart, which is so, so important, uh, so critical for serenity. Here's what serenity means. Instead of regretting the past or worrying about the future, serenity sets you free to live fully in the present, fully aware of God's presence and, and blessing, treasuring, even celebrating God's work in your life and through your life. But then uh, Jesus grows up and he becomes a man and at the age of 30, he steps out and begins his public ministry. He starts doing miracles and Mary probably thinks, this is good, uh, this is gonna be great. But then Jesus starts to get in trouble. The religious leaders accuse him of breaking the Sabbath law. Jesus touches people suffering from the disease of leprosy. He starts hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, even eating with them. He has conversations with outcast women, even allowing one of them to wash his feet. He travels through an area, a forbidden area called Samaria. He starts driving out uh, demons. And the religious leaders think Jesus has lost his mind. Look at what happens when his family finds out. When his family, and that includes Mary, heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. You know, Mary worries that 
Jesus is delusional. Maybe he's got some mental health issues, or maybe he just works so hard and he needs to take a break. And so the family decides to do kind of an intervention and bring Jesus back home, but it doesn't go the way that they uh, wanted. Jesus is respectful toward his family, but he says, anyone who does the will of the Father, the will of God, is my mother and my brother, and he continues his ministry. I can picture Mary as a mom fighting back tears and, and whispering, oh God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Uh, that's the last time we hear about Mary until the end. The authorities have arrested and beaten Jesus and put him on a cross uh, to die. And John, the closest friend of Jesus who would, who would actually take care of Mary, writes these words near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Can you imagine how it felt for Mary to watch the uh, crucifixion? I wonder if some of the disciples tried to take her away so that she would be safe and wouldn't have to watch. But she stood there helplessly watching the same body that she carried in her uh, womb, the same body that she laid in a manger that first uh, Christmas. And she uh, bathed and, and clothed and and rocked and, and loved, and now he's whipped, beaten, and nailed to a Roman cross, hung up to die. And in that moment, perhaps Mary remembers the words of that old man who said, someday a sword will pierce your soul too. And if you live long enough, if you don't know this by now, someday a sword is going to pierce your soul too. You'll have a person that you would, you know, give anything in the world to help them, but you can't help them. You uh, will have someone say something or make a decision that will affect your future in ways that you never imagined. Someday, a sword will pierce your soul too. And in those moments, we cry out, oh God, please grant me the serenity to accept things that I cannot change. God, I need what I cannot manufacture. I need your peace. God, give me your peace. But how would God do that? There's so much trouble and pain in this world. Is there anything that can give us true serenity? Here's the good news. We can have the same serenity that Mary had three days later because Jesus resurrected and came back to life. Mary will see her boy again. Mary discovers the, 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 the source of true serenity. The God of the cross is also the God of the empty tomb. And if God can raise Jesus back to life, he can do anything. We have a God who can handle anything. That's why Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world, and you will overcome the world too. If you believe in me, you will have peace now and forever, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of difficulty. Mary gets mentioned one more time in Scripture in the book of Acts. After Jesus is resurrected and left the scene, he gathers with his disciples and followers, and it mentions Mary. It says they all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The whole family unites together now, including Mary. They unite together as followers 
of Jesus. And God takes the pierced heart of Mary and he remakes it, he remakes it into a heart of peace and a heart of joy. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, not just because I can't control them, not just so I can stumble through life, but because God gives you a new heart and God has a better dream for your life. And the people I love are, are far better, far better off in God's hands than they would be in mine. All, all of us experience pain and trouble, but God loves to take pierced hearts and remake them into hearts of peace and hearts of joy. Last Easter, a man named uh, Eric attended our, our service. Eric's gone through uh, many difficult challenges in his life. But he turned to Jesus, and he took the step of baptism, and he has found a new serenity. Take a look. Uh, my name's Eric Lacey, and I go to the Waukesha campus. I was an alcoholic. Um, for probably 30 years. I had been dealing with the ramifications from a divorce in 2008 uh, with my two boys who were just toddlers. Uh, it was a very difficult divorce, um, emotional trauma, financial difficulty. I was angry, I was resentful, um, I was fearful about the future. I medicated myself with alcohol but um, I knew the Bible. I was raised in church. I went to church, but I was never able to give it to God, um, that struggle that I had, and I was um, stuck in my alcoholism. In May of 2021, I got my third DUI, and I had a pistol in my pocket. My boys were 16 and 17, and I was facing jail time. So I went to AA. Um, I found the 12 steps, and I, I also found uh, Celebrate Recovery at River Glen. The first three steps of AA, you have to admit that your life has become unmanageable and that you're powerless, um, that you need um, God to help restore your life back to sanity. So to get out of this, um, this nightmare, I had to surrender everything to him. May of 2021, I had my DUI. Um, I went to jail. Um, I worked my first three steps in jail for, um, for two weeks. And then I was admitted into a, a one-year um, court-sponsored treatment program. I continued to go to AA and celebrate recovery and work the 12 steps. I found uh, you know, a group of men and women um, who had found peace. Um, had found power um, in their life through God. Uh, we say the serenity prayer, um, both in AA and Celebrate Recovery. And this, this is why I work the 12 steps, is when I walked into those rooms of Celebrate Recovery and, and AA, I could see that people had serenity and peace, the peace of God in their life. It was my 53rd birthday, it was um, April 17th. And the pastor was making a case for people to come down and be baptized right there on the spot. I didn't have a plan to be baptized. He talked about Acts 18.8. And in that passage, the Corinthians heard the word 
believed and were baptized, and that was enough for me. Um, you know, I saw, um, you know, that, that I'm just like the Corinthians were, and, you know, he was, he was preaching the word, I was hearing the word, and he was saying, come and be baptized, like, why not? You know, after I was baptized, I felt like God accepted all of me, like, for the first time, like, like, um, the worst things about me as, as a, a human being, as an alcoholic, um, and all the good things about me too, all of it, um, God accepts me and, and can use every single bit of it. You know, God's forgiveness, God, you know, coming in my life like this has given me peace that I've never had. Um, he's really taken away, in large part, those resentments and those fears, and I can face my life without fear. And obviously the obsession to drink has been lifted. So today's day 420, and um, I haven't felt the need to drink for a long time, and I feel like um, I'm not afraid anymore. So that's it. That's great, isn't it? Appreciate Eric sharing his story. Baptism helped Eric accept things about his life that he couldn't change. I love what he said. I wrote it down. He said, for the first time, I felt like God accepted all of me. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? And you know what? God wants that for, for everyone um, here. And so I want to give you a couple of challenges. First of all, maybe some of us, like Eric, maybe we started believing in Jesus uh, many uh, years ago. Maybe you started believing in Jesus as a, as a child. Uh, but, you know, maybe like uh, Eric, you've, you, you, you've never given your life uh, to Jesus and expressed it to him uh, as, as a believer in, in baptism. Let me show you the verse that... Uh, really impacted Eric last uh, Easter, Acts, 8, Acts chapter 18. The Apostle Paul has just uh, shared the message of Jesus, and it says uh, many of the Corinthians uh, who heard Paul uh, believed and were baptized. And that's the sequence. That's the pattern that we see throughout the uh, New Testament. People would believe, come to believe in Jesus, and then they would get uh, baptized. It's not your grandparents' decision. It's not your parents' decision. You make a decision to believe in Jesus. You make your own decision and, and get uh, baptized. And you can do that today. Baptism beautifully expresses your faith and trust in Jesus in such a beautiful way. You go under the water. You know, you close your eyes. You don't breathe. It represents the death of Jesus. But then you come right back up, representing the resurrection and the Holy Spirit uh, coming into your life, giving you a new heart and a, a new life. I also want to challenge another group of people. Maybe some of you just recently came to faith in Jesus, like the people in that scripture who just heard about Jesus for the first time, and immediately they got baptized because baptism is the first step, really the first step of following Jesus. And that's why uh, most of the baptisms in the, in the New Testament were unplanned. They were spontaneous because people had come to faith in Jesus, and they would just get baptized um, immediately. And you can take that step uh, today. It takes, like, it takes like five minutes, and we got everything that you need. I mean, check this out. We got, uh, we got you know, sandals. We got um, 
towels. We got a shirt that you get to keep. We got shorts, and uh, we even got some makeup remover. If you need <clears throat> that, we've got uh, undergarment. I'm not going to show you those, but <laughs> you name it. I'm serious. Um, we got everything for you. We'll take pictures and video so that you can share it uh, with other people, and you will leave different than you came today. You will have serenity. Baptism helps you helps you accept things um, that you cannot change about your life. You know, you can't change your sin, but Jesus um, can. And so here's how we're going to do it. In a moment, we're all going to stand, and uh, we're going to sing a song. And <clears throat> if you signed up, uh, we've got uh, several people that signed up already. If you signed up uh, for baptism uh, during this song, uh, just make your way to an aisle, go to the lobby, go to the connect wall. If you just decided to take the step of baptism. That's awesome. We had, we had several people at 9 o'clock who uh, made, a, made a decision in the service. Same thing. During this next song, just make your way to the aisle. Go to the uh, connect wall right in the middle of the lobby, and there's a team of people there that will help you uh, get ready, and we'll, we'll do your baptism uh, during the last song. We've got a baptistry right over here. Uh, we'll do the baptism uh, during the last a song in the service. So I want to ask um, everyone, would you please stand with me? And I want to invite you to repeat these words after me if you believe them. Okay, ready? I believe that Jesus died for my sin and raised from the dead. And I accept him as my Savior. And I will follow him as my Lord. That's great. Take a look at what the scripture says. If you, if you believe, if you, if you said those words, if you believe them, uh, scripture says, now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, <clears throat> and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And so let's, let's do this. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, if you're going to get baptized during this song, just make your way to the aisle, go to the lobby, uh, go to the uh, connect wall, um, and uh, we'll baptize you in just a moment. I'll meet you in the water. Here in Waukesha, Jason over in Pewaukee, he'll meet you in the uh, water over there. So let me go ahead and and pray for us. Uh, God, thank you that we can have serenity, true serenity through Jesus and his resurrection. Thank you that we can stop regretting the past and worrying about the future and fully enjoy what you give us today. And God, thank you for those who have already uh, decided how to get baptized uh, this weekend. And I know, but I know, God, that there are probably uh, many more, many more people who need to do this. God, would you give them the the courage, the boldness, the faith right now to, to go to the lobby and take this step so that they can go home with true serenity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.